Welcome to What They Never Told Us, the podcast where we explore our own personal journeys in the hopes to give you some insight into your own narrative. I'm your host, Sasha, licensed mental health counselor. And I'm your host, Crystal, licensed social worker. Yes, we are mental health professionals. However, we are not experts on anyone else but ourselves. You are the only expert on you. The information shared or discussed on this podcast is not a substitute for seeking help from a licensed mental health professional. Hello and welcome back to the final therapy check-in. It has officially been one whole year. This is our fourth therapy check-in. Let's see how much change we've gone through, how much we've progressed, or maybe not progressed in just one whole year. Um, But of course, before we do that, we're going to do a check-in with regards to how we're feeling right now in the moment. Uh, Boo, how you doing? I will say, I think as the year comes to a close, I do have some things that are going to be changing in the next year, um, which I'll announce soon. But I think I'm starting to just be like, you messed up, you you made the wrong decision, like, I'm just questioning everything, I feel like I'm doubting myself a lot, Mm. I feel very uncertain, and it makes me feel very uneasy, and I was talking to somebody who's currently experiencing the same situation that I'll be experiencing soon, and they were like, I think if you didn't feel this way, I'd be worried about you. <laughs> like, so I think the mm-hmm. fact that you feel this way is a, is a good sign. Um, she gave me actually some really helpful tips to kind of like get through it. But I, I, I think there's a part of me that, um, and Sasha pointed this out to me, that there's just that inner critic and that inner voice that's taking over. And sometimes it's just, it, it that inner voice sounds like me like in my head that voice is my own even though it's not originally my voice and it's not me I think it's so ingrained at this point that sometimes it's hard for me to recognize that it's not my shit so I did appreciate you just kind of saying like that's actually not your voice but I would be lying if I said I'm not terrified like doubting myself anxious feeling extremely unsettled um about what's to come (laughs) so but you know that reminds me of you know there's these very cliche sayings about uh life right and the one I'm thinking of is about fear and like bravery and and courage and like courage isn't necessarily the removal of fear it's doing something with fear existing in you so whether it's you working on that voice inside of you um, even though you know it's not yours, like you could easily listen to it, right? You could easily say, well, fuck that shit. I guess I'm doing something wrong or make up a reason as to why you actually believe it. And you're like, no, this is exactly what I'm feeling. But you're not. And I'm not going to let you, by the way. So <laughs> <laughs> you. you're welcome. So, you know, like it's it's just get it's getting through those moments with the fear, with the negative, whatever it is. Right? Like it's it's life. And this, right? Like, and I think a lot of us are striving for just the positive. That's not what life really is about. So to me, you've already shown progress. So uh, (laughs) thank you. I appreciate the support. (laughs) Of course, always. 
my therapy check-in isn't so insightful. I'm just a little annoyed because yesterday I went to do my eyebrows <laughs> and she really made them OD thin. So like for, for me today, I think it's a little more on like uh, how I feel about my body image and you know, like my looks and trying not to feed so much into it, like hair grows and you know, I'm sure it's bigger in my mind than what it is in reality. But, yo, it's hard. It's hard to manage that. Um, it's, ugh. you would think that us as therapists, we got our shit together, but fuck, man. We don't. We're human. We're human. We're susceptible to these things, too. We don't exist outside of the systems that were created to oppress us. Absolutely not, which is why we need our own therapy, too. And which is why we're on therapy checking number four. So, what's up? The last time we did a therapy check-in, it was August. What's going on with you, bro? Ooh, girl, my therapy sessions have been all over the place. Uh, it's been about work and friendships and not mattering to myself or feeling like I don't matter to people. Trust. And most importantly, forgiveness. I feel like forgiveness has been a central theme. Um, so, my therapy has actually not really looked like what I thought it would look like. All of this work is trauma-related, right? Because of what I've experienced, I kind of developed this sense of the world, of other people, of myself that is skewed. And in talking about these things and working through these things, I'm kind of working towards healing and undoing and unlearning. Uh, So in that sense, it's been beneficial for sure, but it's not like trauma-specific work. Really working on forgiveness because it's getting in the way of me having like compassion, grace, understanding of myself and other people. Yeah, and I think that it ties into how I what my what my core belief about myself is because I think that as long as I don't have that compassion, that grace, that understanding, um, if I don't give myself any leeway, I don't think that I'll ever get out of this mindset that I'm supposed to be perfect. And if I'm not perfect, then I'm never going to feel like I'm good enough. And if I'm never going to feel like I'm good enough, then it's just going to feed into all of these other like unhelpful narratives that I have about myself in the world. So I'm trying to kind of like come into the core belief um, and do it in a way that is CBT related, right? Because it's like, what's the, what's the belief? What's the thought? Is it true? Is it untrue? Like, how much do you want to believe this thought? What are the replacement thoughts? But I just feel like even with concrete evidence that I am good enough, I think sometimes it's not about like the evidence that you have around you. It's it's about like how you feel internally. So I'm having just a hard time breaking these things apart because it's not that I have evidence that the in the real world that it's true. But the evidence lives in my heart. It lives in my head. It lives in that voice that I can't get rid of. When you were talking about feeling it yourself, you can logically comprehend it with your thought records. But sometimes when you look at it, it just feels so distant from yourself, right? Like, And you don't know how to almost internalize it or put it inside of yourself, right? Like, And that sounded weird. But uh, <laughs> like kind of get to a point where you're actually living it and feeling it and and knowing like oh this is what I deserve this is for me this is you know mine 
and this is who I am and I deserve this. And it's so hard. And I'm, I, it's funny because I'm going through the same thing just in a very different way. And I, I and I do want to say that I think a lot of people struggle with this because of the world that we live in. You know, side note, and I always talk about this, we're sold an image of ourselves that is quote unquote lovable, is quote unquote, you know, uh, worthy. It's It never looks like who we are, whether it's like right. a physical look, whether it's the money, whether it's like certain things that you need to buy in order to find happiness, because everyone else looks like they have more. And then you just always kind of left feeling empty. And then what you do have is never valued. So even if sometimes you come from a really good home, it's hard to to, to hone in on the things that you do have and, and find value out of them because we just live in a world that's constantly invalidating us. Um, so I just wanted to say that because it's so unfair. Yeah, and it's funny that you mentioned like a lot of the outside things because I feel like I've gotten to a place at least financially where it's like, all right, like I have the cute clothes and the boots, you know, like and the things and the latest technology, maybe not the latest, but good enough for me for my standards. Where I'm like, you know what, I'm I'm gonna stick with this iPhone 11. We gonna ride till we die. Uh, but <laughs> but like now that I have those things, right? Because before it was like I didn't have the internal stuff. And I didn't have the external stuff. So it was like, oh, I got a double whammy. And now I have the external, but I'm still like, you know what? Like, none of this really matters. And you always know that external things don't matter, right? Like, like I feel like everyone, like, logically understands it or has been told these things. But I'm going to tell you, you get there and you're still like, oh, this doesn't matter. Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> like the the pretty clothes isn't gonna hide how I feel on the inside. So I also wanted to to say how like ingrained it is. Also, what society feeds us is like certain qualities about ourselves too. Like I think that there's certain ways that people need to show up in order for others to feel that they are worthy. And I will say, I think I've I've internalized that about other people too. And I'm starting to realize as I try to build deeper relationships with people, I do need to kind of just accept them for who they are. And like, you know, um, funny example. Sorry, Sasha. (laughs) You can take this out. But like, I remember uh, Sasha came to my house the other day and she was like, I want this. I want this. But I don't want you to help me with this. And I was like, girl, why are you being so finicky? And I was like, that's just my boo. I just got to love her (laughs) finickiness. (laughs) And you know, like, and it's it's just who she is. And and I think like, there's a part of me that if I would have shown up in that way, where I felt like I was finicky, I would have been like, oh, Sasha doesn't care about me anymore. So I feel like I'm I'm hopeful that as I change my thoughts and the ways that I see and think about other people, that it'll somehow come back to me. (laughs) I'm not exactly sure how it's going to work, but I'll keep y'all posted. I think it does, actually. Um, And I think that's a really good point because you're talking about me, like, not letting you cook something for me i think Mm -hmm. it was oatmeal right okay yeah yeah yeah. so (laughs) i so okay so that's that actually relates to everything that i'm doing in therapy right now and it has to do with being comfortable showing up the way i feel comfortable right because i know that you're gonna perceive it as finicky and like my biggest fear always is is that person going to judge me for doing things this way and it's been really 
difficult for me, especially lately, to push through that this judgment that I have of myself because I also have a voice, right? And then show that to other people because I'm quirky as fuck, man. Like, I <laughs> I don't know how people are going to respond to that. And my biggest fear is that, like, people are going to reject me. Mm-hmm. Um, so just even doing that is me just kind of working on that and saying, like, okay, this I'm good. Like, just 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 let me be, please. And not and in, like, a fucked up way, but just, like, I, I just want what I want right now, right? And I feel like everybody's older. And, and you know, like, I really try to give that to you as well. Because um, mm-hmm. I used to, and it's funny, because I used to do this thing where I would push my my own agenda on you. And I was like, well, if Crystal wants to do something, then she's going to come to me. Or she should be able to feel comfortable and come to me. And the more I show up authentically, I feel like that gives other people, including you, a pass to show up authentically as well. And I will say, and I think I've said some iteration of this before, like, I I don't even necessarily think me thinking you were finicky was really even a reflection of you, but more so a reflection of me. Because I'm not judging you for showing up the way that you showed up. I'm judging you because I'm like, if I did this, if I allowed myself to come up this way, what would people say? So then I think, like, a lot of what... I believe other people are thinking about me. I then project it onto them in a way to kind of like prove myself right. If that makes sense. It's like, oh yeah, Mm -hmm. like people will think you're finicky because you think they're finicky, right? So like I believe uh, about other people what I believe about myself too, if that makes sense. (laughs) As a confirmation. Yes, as a confirmation. Continuing that thought. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Exactly. When it's not really no, even, makes... like, true or the about the other person. No, that makes a lot of sense. But that's why, like, working with these voices in our heads is so important. And so in the beginning of the year, I talked about working with the little girl inside of me, right? Like, that's how my therapy first started. But it's so interesting because this happened without my therapist and I even talking about it. It just kind of, like, I don't know. It was like a wave. It came in. And it was just so natural. I have a new partner um which was very very unexpected and i've i haven't spoken about it until now so he was somebody in my life who i he was around and i and you know we just got closer and it like fits and it's so healthy and i'm like what the fuck is this shit uh because i'm so that voice that i'm talking about that little girl inside of me it's so used to like chaos and punishment and invalidation and rejection and not being enough and it's wild because that voice in you it doesn't go away once you find somebody who validates you and does the complete opposite right usually that voice in you find helps you find people who are going to help perpetuate it they're going to confirm Mm -hmm. it's gonna Mm -hmm. those people that you look for they're gonna confirm that you're gonna Mm -hmm. be rejected they're gonna confirm that you're not good enough and that's the kind of relationship I was in before which actually I think was really traumatizing because I, I still have this fear, right? Like I, my body kind of reacts in this way, like, oh, shit's going to go down, even though my brain logically doesn't feel that way and it kind of knows better. But working with with that, the healthy relationship, I started with like the little girl inside of me. And I feel like I upgraded a little bit because now I feel like an adult a little more than I did at the beginning of the year. And I stopped talking about the little girl and I started talking more about how do I create, um, how do I find autonomy within myself to 
create the life that I want, right? Because as a little girl, things were happening to me, mm-hmm. right? And now in this relation, because and also I was in situations where things were happening to me, right? Like that person that I was with a whole year ago, they were happening to me. They were doing things to me, and I deserved it in my mind. Now it's like I'm more, I'm less in that mindset that I deserve it, but I'm more scared to go out and create autonomy because what if this shit blows up in my face? What if I'm wrong? And now, like, my brain is just doing all these weird things. Um, and it's nonstop because this is 31 years of conditioning, of mm-hmm. thinking that I'm bad, I'm not good enough, something has to go wrong. Like, the doubts start to creep in. You start to feel like, okay, what's what's happening? Why is this so good? Like, it's like you don't trust it. You you trust inconsistency more. Right. Yeah. I think it's that, that recalibration adjustment period. I think your body, your mind, your surround, like you just need to get used to a new normal. Um, and the normal, at least in this case is, is healthy, which we talk about all the time that a lot of times healthy throws us off whack. So you just have to recalibrate. But I think, reca- like, I think people underestimate how difficult it is to recalibrate because I think they think like, oh, this is healthy. This is good. Mm-hmm. It should be easy, right? Because healthy is easy in, in people's minds. And it's not actually um, because it takes a lot of self-awareness. Um, it takes a lot of work and it takes a lot of showing up. And I think that that's something that as a society, Uh, We think like, oh, if I'm compatible with someone, it's going to be easy or being a parent is easy. Um, And I don't think that people give enough credit to the amount of work, the emotional intelligence and the kind of negotiating that goes into having a healthy relationship with anyone. Like even for us, like it does take a lot of work for us to have a healthy working relationship and balance of friendship. Right. Like there's a lot of negotiation that goes into it. And I don't think that people think about it enough but to your point about the whole um kind of like inner child work and speaking to that little girl and then upgrading to to kind of this like adult version of you that's taking control now I'm I I don't do inner child work but I do feel like that little girl still she running around this house making a mess um and I'm like girl I'm gonna need you to sit down put the put the moon boots from your Spice Girl <laughs> obsessed little self down. Sit down, oh please. Like, <laughs> turn the movie off. We gotta, we gotta talk. Um, I'm just kidding. Um, I do. I will say, just total random side note. I do love like inner child work because I do love imagining little me, um, all the time. But anyways, total side note. But yeah, I and the reason why I say that I feel like she's running amok is just because I. Th- feel like I think that kids sometimes they do have the capacity to think in the gray but a lot of times their thinking does default to black and white if they don't have the proper guidance to kind of help them navigate the gray right especially if things don't make sense like um, so I feel like right now in regards to forgiveness which I mentioned earlier was one of the bigger themes that I'm experiencing I'm just having a hard time coming out of this very punitive mindset, right? Because when you're a kid, right? Like if someone messes up, they they face a consequence. So in my mind, I've learned if you mess up, if you hurt my feelings or if you do something wrong, you must pay. 
right? So the other person must pay. And I'm not excluded from that, right? Like I, I too, if I do something wrong, must pay. And I think that that's how I always have walked through life. Like, oh, if I mess up, then I have to go above and beyond to not only correct my mistakes, but it's kind of like come out of the negative and go into the positive, right? Like it's not just good enough for me to get to a, a even zero balance. Like I have to like mm. do more, like deposit extra into the bank. Oh and God. I don't, and people don't think. to my soul. <laughs> no, you legit, you legit spoke to my experience right now. That's crazy, but we'll get back to it. Sorry. So yeah, and I and I think that it's it's very difficult to maintain this way of existing in the world, right? Like it's not realistic to always think that you're gonna be there. Um, I think it's also not always necessary. And then also other people don't abide, don't always abide by those rules that I exist in. So just abiding by those rules sometimes feels very unrealistic because one, it's not sustainable in the long term, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but two other people don't abide by those rules. Like you might abide by those rules, but the majority of other people don't, right? So I think people are like, I expressed that I am sorry, therefore I should be forgiven. Other people don't see error in their ways and don't necessarily feel like they need to even apologize, right? So for me, um, actually something that really helped me um, put language to it is I took uh, Gary Chapman, the man who did the five love languages. He has apology languages um, or or forgiveness languages, something like that. Google it. Um, it's definitely a thing. And I looked mine up. And for me, I need people to acknowledge what they have done and they need to hold themselves. I want to hold them or they need to hold themselves accountable for what they've done, which kind of reiterates how I feel about things. So a lot of times where I'm struggling is that people don't, one, admit what they do. And then two, sometimes I can't hold people accountable for what they've done because it's not realistic to hold everyone accountable for certain things. Or if someone doesn't want to acknowledge what they've done, then you definitely can't hold them accountable because they don't even want to admit it. Um, So it, it puts me in this place where I'm thinking about forgiveness in this very authoritarian type of way. And there's no warmth. There's no flexibility. There's no viewing the other person as human. And I think it's it comes from my past where it's like so many bad things happen to me. And I have to do so much to make up for what I've lost. And I like I think because I personally haven't healed from a lot of those things, it makes it really hard for me to let go of wanting to let hold people accountable to what they've done. It's like I've suffered at your hands and now you must suffer. I explain all that to say the issue is that there's someone in my life that I would like to forgive um, and I want to have a relationship with them. But they don't have the capacity to really understand how they have hurt me. And they will never admit it. And the reason I know this is because I've tried. I've tried to tell them how they've hurt me. I've tried to tell them that they need to be accountable to me. And it's almost like I'm being gaslit. Like, I didn't do that. It wasn't my fault. You're overreacting, blah, blah, blah. Um, so it it's just become really tough because I'm in this place where I really want to have this relationship but then I also really want this person to acknowledge what they've done and be held accountable. And I can't have both. 
And it's put me literally between a rock and a hard place because it's like, well, what do I do? And I feel like I'm very upset at the fact that I have to be the bigger person. And I I feel like I have to decide to accept the fact that this person won't ever really um, take accountability. But I just don't know how to forgive them. Like, I don't know how to forgive if you don't fall in line to my standards of, like, forgiveness. Um, And if you don't hold yourself accountable in the ways that I hold myself accountable to other people. So I'm just having a really big conflict. So it's so interesting to me because what I hear, the reason that you want the that person to do to hold themselves accountable and to like fully acknowledge what they did is because that is the best that is the way you can take up space, right? In your mind. That's that's you being seen, that's you taking up the space, that's you like being validated, right? But it, it is interesting that you put it in this very specific way that this person can't show up for and actually see the parts of you that you want them to see. It's it's a hard situation because I, I, I'm also going through this transition, especially within this last year. And it has to do with what I want, what makes me feel good, who makes me feel good, who is in my life that I actually value and who values me back. And I feel like there's something similar, right? Because I, I, I'm starting to realize that I am who I am. Um, I want to be seen just like you. I want to be acknowledged. I want people around me who have values, just in general. Because <laughs> I'm noticing that people don't have values. Um, like, uh, just in general, like, please. Thank you. Like, <laughs> Try. no shade, but shade. <laughs> Yo, yeah, for real. And, and I'm like, I, I, I'm at a point where it's like, I love you and I want you around, but if you're not going to see me, then I don't want you in my life because ultimately, do you love me the way I love you back? And like, for me, I'm starting to honor that piece of myself where, and, and I, I'll say this, I'm starting to honor that piece for myself, Right. And just kind of going through like a cleansing, like maybe we used to be good at one point in time of my life, but the older I get, the more I realize that I was engaging in things that had no meaning. It got me into this mindset of like doing things in a transactional manner. And then I lost sight of like where my values were, Mm -hmm. not because of the fact that I didn't have values, but were my values for myself or like, how do you put yourself first? So going back to what you were saying with regards to how do you keep a person in your life when they don't really see you, but then there are some people that you're going to want there, mm-hmm. right? Like, how do you maintain that relationship and say, okay, why is it that I want this person in my life? What exactly is it that I'm looking from them? And are they capable of giving that to me? And if I, and if not, do I still want that person in my life, right? So, okay, so how can I figure this out? It, it's just so hard because it's still going to, you're still going to have resentment. Mm-hmm. You're still going to have this feeling of like, but why do I have to keep figuring shit out? But then it's hard. But then the reality is like, how are they going to fucking figure it out? Like, that's like, and, and I've been in that before where how can you tell somebody who just does, it's like speaking a different language to somebody. And like, you ever see when people talk like, to, to a, a foreigner and they start talking real loud 
Like, yes, yes, yes. Do you understand me? As if out of magic, like, what's coming out of that person's mouth is going to be their language. <laughs> That's how I feel, though. So it it blows my mind. Like, I I don't know. It just, there, there has, you know, there are some people that you know you're just talking a foreign language to. And you really, I think, instead of expecting them to see you, there has to be a way that you can own the space. And this is something that I'm going mm. through as well. You have to own the space and see yourself first. And then it doesn't fucking matter if they see you or not. Because guess what? I see me, bitch. And <laughs> 70% of this room is mine. Thank you very much. And and I'm going to get what I want from you. And I'm still going to have values and still love you. But, you know, I said that with a lot of confidence. Um, I'm not there yet. <laughs> I would like to just uh, take this moment for a commercial break and say that Sasha is accepting new clients. So email us and <laughs> for anyone who wants therapist Sasha in their own life. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Maybe not. Um, <laughs> no, I think that um, when you put it through the lens of taking up space, I think it gives it a new light or a new perspective that I wasn't seeing back in the episode taking up space I spoke about how the way that I need to take up space is to matter to myself right and I think that if I take up space for myself regardless of whether or not I'm allowing other people to let me take up space I think that it would be helpful and I want to say also with forgiveness I don't have it figured out so bear with me as I I try to figure it out. And I I think that there are some people that are worth or that are worth kind of going through this hassle of trying to figure out a way to make it work. And um, I didn't want to mention it before, but I'll mention it now. The person that I'm speaking about is my mom. And she's obviously the person who gave birth to me. She's a critical figure. And not everyone needs to forgive their mom. So I want to be very clear that I'm definitely not one of those people that's like, you know, like, blood comes before everything. Like, sometimes a parent or someone who's a relative could go kick rocks and don't ever Mm -hmm. speak to them again. So I just want to be clear that I'm an advocate for cutting people off, even if they're your family. I think that for me, this is just, like, a very central attachment figure for me where I'm willing to kind of, like, navigate through these murky waters to see if I can make it work. And the reason why I wanted to mention this is that there are other people in my life who I was like, maybe I should forgive them. Like, maybe I do want to have a relationship with them. And then my best friend sat me down and was like, are you sure? Because this person did X, Y, and Z. And I was like, you're right. You know, I talked about being seen and taking up space. And sometimes forgiveness doesn't necessarily have to be that you forgive the person. Because I feel like we get, the lines are so blurred. Um so weird right like it's not that you don't forgive the person but you are tolerant enough of who you are that their opinion almost doesn't matter so like if you think about being seen right if you think about why you want this person to see you and I'm guilty of this too it's almost as if you are asking them to please allow you to take up space Mm-hmm. And then you fall into that pattern again. And the reality is that you just got to, you know, kick that door open and say, this is how I'm going to show the fuck up. And that has to do with work with your own self and validating your own self and getting used to that. Because it's almost like a cycle where we get used to other people validating us. And it's and then we frame it as like, oh, I want to forgive them. 
in, in reality, it, it might be that we're looking for their validation and then I can forgive. No, no, no. I want to forgive them and I want to take up this space because I know I deserve it. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. No, I think it does. And I think that um, it goes back to that saying, like, holding on to anger is like drinking poison and expecting the other person to die. And the reason I say that is because I feel like when you're saying you have to take up space for yourself, I think like a lot of times when we're waiting for other people's validation, that that's the poison, right? Like that's us drinking the poison um, and then waiting for the other person to kind of feel the effects of like, you know, the anger that we haven't felt their validation. I feel like taking the perspective of I'm going to take up space and I'm choosing to forgive and it's an internal thing is absolutely um, like in line with that. And I, I know that people always say forgiveness is not about the other, but it's about the self. But it's hard too, like to to find that inner strength to take up space. It's interesting um, because I think that sometimes when people violate us and they do things that, you know, and I mean violate us within overstepping their boundaries because that's, that's actually the, if you really think about it, that's when most people need to be forgiven when they fucked up, right? Whether intentionally or unintentionally, like when you start crossing people's boundaries and you start, you know, violating people in a way that hurt them, you're taking their space. So owning that back um, could be really helpful and just kind of validating yourself in that mindset of like, no, I'm going to be me. I'm going to be, you know, finicky. I'm going to, I'm not going to let Crystal make oatmeal for me, right? Like, no. No, this is what I want. Um, and, and slowly, it, it's it's hard because I easily forget, but like slowly, like I think that you start to kind of rationalize in your mind, like, no, I should be able to do this, right? Um, but you said something really interesting. Uh, with, and, and to me, it, it always relates back to taking up space, but you talked about when you kind of hit a balance and like you, like the there's no deficit, but there's like a, a neutral you're like running and you're surviving and you're, you're actually okay. Right. But then it almost feels like, hold on, I have to do extra. Mm-hmm. Right. I've really been experiencing that uh, because I have something similar to you with people in relationships where I constantly feel that I need to do more in order to be loved. Mm-hmm. And this is something that I'm realizing more now, which is why I fit with people like my ex so easily because they're willing to take more, no problem. Um, mm-hmm. So like, I will, I will like, oh, what do you need? Oh, I'm the problem. Okay, let me fix this. And now that I'm in this like healthy relationship, it's so weird because there's no, it's healthy. And because it's healthy, he's not expecting me to do anything extra other than be me. And I'm like, this is awkward. And he, to me, is so amazing because he's not being a dick and he's (laughs) not taking from me. I feel I have to multiply what I'm used to giving so that it feels like I have to give so much and then I get intimidated by that and I'm like, I can't do this. And then at the same time, I feel guilty because I want to give more. And then I be I get into this like guilt, shame spiral for not giving enough and not being good enough and like finding reasons to not be good enough. And like, yo, it's so pervasive. Um, but this is something that has been happening a lot lately. Yeah. And I think that um, I feel like sometimes that dynamic of with your ex where you had to give extra and he took extra I think it comes from a place of where you're both coming operating from a place of deficit right where it's like he's like I deserve 
right? Because I was not given or I want to take mm-hmm. because this is what I, as a man, am supposed to receive, right? And then it's kind of like you you take, you take, you take, and then obviously you in an effort to want to be loved, you give, you give, you give, and it kind of obviously creates an imbalance. But I think like with your partners, I, I feel like he's just existing at his normal and he's expecting you to exist at your normal. And I think like that's kind of like he's not expecting more or less from you than he expects from himself. So I think it kind of just creates a new balance that is like, oh, I don't have to give extra. And obviously you learn to give more from your earlier relationship. So I think this will be really healing even as you like learn to take up space, right? Like you, you're just like, I'm just going to exist. And you have this like stable figure that's going to always remind you that you're, you're, you existing at your baseline is enough. Right. And he's never going to like question it. So I think that you're going to learn to move throughout the world. Like even people who don't think your baseline is enough, like you're going to learn to internalize it. Well, it is enough. It's not, it might not be enough for you and that's your problem, but it's enough. Mm-hmm. Thank you for pointing that out because that is the process of like going from unhealthy to healthy, right? And no, and I feel like, especially I don't know when like you find when you see like movies and stuff and you find good love, how come they don't talk about this shit? How come they don't have a real movie on how fucking awkward it is to get into healthy, how hard it is to like start something new that's good for you as opposed to, um you know, the shit that you're used to, how much self-sabotage comes up, right? Like you push people away, you, you, you create distance in your own self, you find reasons in your mind to be bad, or when you find reasons to quote unquote, you know, make them bad. Um, I've, I've done all of the above. And like, I'm watching myself do this. And it's like such a shock. Like, I wish I would have known that this was going to look like this, because in the beginning, especially of the relationship, I, I was having so much anxiety because I, I to the point where I had to do uh, therapy twice a week because I had no idea of how to manage it because I was so used to the dynamic of uh, giving and then not being enough and then like constantly doing that. Like when I got into this healthy dynamic, I was like, what the fuck is this? Like I it felt almost like I didn't have feelings. And then I was like, no, but I do. But it was just like the removal of so much old shit. And it's been really hard. Um, healthy. I wish people would talk about this more. Like healthy, especially coming when from unhealthy dynamics, is really hard to get used to. And the bottom line is because it's change. Mm-hmm. And none of us like change. So that's also another reason why we stay in toxic. Mm-hmm. But I do love that you're transitioning into healthy because I feel like you are learning to be good enough and you're learning your value and you're taking up space. And that's the other really big thing that I've been struggling with in therapy. I'm not putting value on what I bring to the table. I never feel like it's enough, right? Like even when I give, give, give and give extra, like even that still doesn't feel like enough. As I'm kind of like transitioning and trying to move away from, I need to give all of this extra I'm I'm finding myself in a panic. Like it's similar to you, probably. I, I guess for you, it's coming up in your romantic relationship. For me, it's just coming up in life. 
I'm just so hypercritical when I when I kind of bring my baseline down because I'm like, oh, I'm doing too much. I don't need to. Like, I bring my baseline down because I'm so used to giving extra. Like, the measure for which I use to to define success, I'm like, oh, I'm not reaching that. So I'm being, like, super hypercritical of everything. And I will say, I think, like, even... This podcast has been helpful in a lot of ways, and I've been super grateful, but I think also sometimes when I see in such a public forum, right, like in this podcast, and, you know, we're doing other podcasts with other folks, and we're, you know, doing lives and stuff like that, and I kind of, like, see what happens in real time. I'm like, oh, you fucked up here. You shouldn't have said that. You should, like, you look stupid. You said something stupid. And then, like, I'll maybe I'll make a realization, and I'm like, oh, my gosh, I can't believe I said that in such a public forum. Like, it feels very daunting to watch myself because it's it's different when it feels like it's happening in private as opposed to it's, it's happening in real time and I know everyone's not watching but it feels like everybody's watching I don't know there's a part of me that feels like I like I logically like I know I know what the research says I know what mental health professionals say I know I hear what you're saying because you're going through this Sasha in real time but there's a part of me that like as I'm trying to convince myself that I'm good enough and I don't need to do all of these extra things I'm gonna find out that I've been lied to and that I've been Mm -hmm. lying to myself and this whole thing about me being good enough at this like different baseline was a setup like I'm setting myself up everyone else is setting setting me up Ashton Kutcher gonna come out the bushes talking about like punked like (sighs) the cameras are gonna come out and everyone's just gonna (laughs) laugh like that's what it feels like it just doesn't feel real um and it feels like I'm floating Mm -hmm. in this abyss of like nothing makes sense and that kind of goes back to my check-in where I was like I don't know what what it is internally that I it doesn't matter what's happening in my external world like nothing feels good enough because I can't really convince myself of it so that's so interesting um and I get that in, in, in being in this healthy relationship, I'm noticing that my toxic traits for to myself show up with everybody. I work in friendships uh, and it's really hard to like reel them in. And, you know, f- and sometimes it just feels bigger than me and feels like I'm always going to be this way. Right. Um, but something that I've been doing that I actually found really helpful. I like was desperate one day and like I searched up shame and like on the on Spotify and like I saw the podcast that came up and I actually found one that was really helpful. Um, but the way the guy explained shame, I said, okay, that makes sense. He gave a concrete way of approaching it, right? So when you think about shame and its purpose, shame is supposed to help in human beings in general. It's supposed to help us not do a certain action again. You know, I tripped Crystal and she got hurt and now I'm hurt, right? Like, and I shouldn't have done that. And I feel shame. I'm never going to do that again. And then you're supposed to get over it. You're supposed to take it as a learning experience and that's it. And no one's supposed to kind of like keep reminding you about it and forcing it down you so that you live in it, right? Mm-hmm. Um, because then that's how guilt is created, right? Like guilt is like almost like a secondary reaction of the shame you experience. But what the guy said is that a lot of us experience shame for reasons that aren't logical, right? So if you go back to why you experienced shame when you were little, it was irrational. There was no reason for you to experience shame. The wires got crossed. So like in my case, I got yelled at a lot 
because my mom and my dad both projected on me. So like I was being yelled at for just being myself. So I learned how to be ashamed of myself. Mm-hmm. And then moving forward, there's almost like this guilt that comes out of being myself. When I actually express it around other people, it feels like I shouldn't have done that. So um, in the mornings, I started journaling um, about my shame, its function, even though it's irrational, and how I could change that in my mind, change the perspective of its function to be something that works for me now in my present day. Kind of like your thought record, right? That really helped me get out of my my shame and guilt spirals uh, because they were really, really bad. And I think journaling is something that, especially first thing in the morning, you know, we always talk about tips and things you can do. It's something that I, I can tell you that I, I've stuck to and it's been really helpful, um, especially with regards to shame and guilt. Because I feel like a lot of the issues that we have derive from shame and guilt of being ourselves. Mm-hmm. No, I agree. I mean, that does sound a lot like a thought record. <laughs> if anyone wants to go back to um, our Instagram, I kind of outlined those steps. Because the, the last step is reframing. Like, it's a reframing thought, right? Like, I'm cho- you're, you're choosing no longer to believe whatever shame narrative you have so how do you reframe that thought now that you've processed and you've understood how you inherited it but I think you're right about um as kids feeling a lot of shame about being ourselves I think there's a part of me that wants to understand when did that shift happen because when I was a kid I used to love being me I like you know like I I've said it before like I someone dimmed my light and I I could kind of see it like throughout the years where it happened but I remember when I was a kid I was loud I was proud I was sassy I was in your face like um I'm just I think like there's a part of me that until I understand how I got here it's hard to reframe um and maybe that's a I was gonna say character flaw I shouldn't say that and maybe (laughs) um and yeah maybe that sometimes is unrealistic but I feel like until I understand how I got here it's gonna be hard for me to break out of of that thought pattern I don't think it's unrealistic though because you know it's so funny that's something that my therapist and I talk about all the time I'm looking for this one life-altering moment Mm -hmm. right I want to remember it and she always tells me, she's like, Sasha, what if it happened gradually? Right. What if, you know, I was a happy little girl and you were happy little gr- a happy little girl and we were happy and okay, bad shit happened and okay. And it, it just kind of like kept, it's kind of like the, the cup when it gets overflowed. Like you keep adding water at one point in time, it's going to overflow. So it, there may not be necessarily one specific moment, but if you look back enough you can understand and really say like, oh shit, they took that away from me. Mm-hmm. That being the expression of yourself without shame. That being the expression of the space that you take up without feeling like, I don't want this person to see me. I don't want them to even notice me. Like, you know, and, and then how that, how that kind of, and I, I'm speaking to myself with regards to like my mom when she was angry or, you know, just kind of wanting to hide and not deal with her. I remember that really clearly. And understanding that even that will affect you. Because even though it was about another person, me being more occupied with wanting to be out of her peripheral, literally, mm-hmm. denied me the experience and the opportunity to be me at mm-hmm. that moment. 
And so I didn't learn how to be me. You know, when you're so preoccupied with other people, you don't learn how to be you. Right. You learn how to be you for other people so that they like you. First of all, that was very beautiful. Thank you for explaining it that way. I'm sure that'll make a lot of sense to our listeners. Um, But that does remind me, I guess, of the other piece about, like, not feeling good enough. I think the part that's confusing is that I'm still in search of external validation. But the external validation is also still never enough. Um, And I know that, obviously, when we talk about validation, like, one has to validate the self. And I truly believe that, right? Because I think it it comes down to what you were saying about taking up space. Like, it doesn't matter if you're allowing me to take up space. I'm going to take up space anyway. And that um, even if you don't think what I bring is good enough for you, it's it's a you problem, right? Like, it's not good enough for you, but it's good enough. Um, And I think that a part of that is also trusting, like, in my own self, right um because i i feel like my judgment of myself is inaccurate uh so it's hard to kind of like like how i mentioned to you about um recalibrating like i think i need to recalibrate that internally in terms of because i think i'm still judging myself based off of other people's standards i raise that bar constantly um, that even the the standards that I set out for myself that I think people are holding me to, I still want to always exceed it. And I, I think it just ends up like really feeding into itself. I think I'm just stuck in a loop because I feel like even in this episode, I'm talking in circles and circles and circles. And I'm just like, how do I get out of this loop? Because I, I feel like everything is feeding into itself and I don't know which direction to go in first so this is what's been happening in therapy like imagine my therapist when she's like end this and then I was like actually I have a rebuttal actually what about this actually Mm. (laughs) she's like bro I'm like I'm gonna cut you off (laughs) (laughs) and she really does cut me off because I will I will take her down the rabbit hole with me for real yeah but that's also part of what you're used to right Mm -hmm. like if someone gets in your vicinity like you bring them down the rabbit hole with you mm-hmm. um, i've done that too not gonna lie i've done that I um, you down my and then i become a yeah and it's so funny when i was there i was like oh okay i know this i gotta get out <laughs> right and not and not and not get out in the sense like be gone forever no, of course. and that's what the that's the difference between healthy people and unhealthy people because it's so fucked up, right? And this is something that I do want to say because I, I have I still hold resentment in myself for in my heart for this. Yes, I'm not perfect. I know I'm not, right? And when you engage with people who are not healthy for you, they somehow find a way to make you feel that even the things that are not perfect about you are the worst fucking things mm-hmm. in the world. Right. Mm-hmm. So me engaging with Crystal or her bringing me into her shame spiral. Yeah, I'm not going to lie. It's not easy. But that doesn't give me a right to be like, I don't want to be her friend anymore. Oh, you're fucking driving me crazy, Crystal. Like, no, that gives me an opportunity to to communicate with her, which I did be like, listen, I'm feeling X, Y, Z. And, and, you know, it's a learning process and not leaving the relationship just when shit gets hard mm-hmm. or like blaming putting all the responsibility on crystal because she went into that and i got into that right like with her like i think that's so unhealthy um and that's the difference between healthy and unhealthy no one's allowed to make you feel like you being you even if it isn't good 
is is reason enough to to go uh is reason enough to be rejected is reason enough to actually you know just leave a person is reason enough to make them feel like they were the ones who fucked everything up no because it's two people in this dynamic and like so yes crystal you have taken me down that and i'm sure i've taken you down my shit i'm sure <laughs> i'm sure i've affected you like like uh, uh, scratch it. it's i'm a lot i'm a lot um well let's let's read like the, the narrative <laughs> like i feel like we should I mean, stop saying that about ourselves maybe because i think it does you know like I, yep but then there are areas in my life that I'm a lot, and yo, like I'm proud of it. Like yo, I have some real purpose in my life, and I'm a lot in that sense because I don't shut the fuck up. <laughs> like, <laughs> and no, I like that about myself, you know? No, for sure. And I, so, I think you're right. And I think like also being able to distinguish when we're a lot in a positive way, as opposed to it feels like oh I'm a lot and I want to hide. Um, because I think sometimes we conflate or we kind of put the two on the same pedestal and it we put the two at the same level and we shouldn't i think so too but it goes back to what i was saying it has to do with what you've been told about yourself and like you you we conflate being a lot with something negative because people couldn't and didn't want to handle us and that's not love that's transactional you're taking something from me and you're not willing to put up with my stuff when guess what you have shit too right and i'm not talking to crystal now i'm talking about other people and other dynamics like the other person it's always two people it's never just the other person um so like i okay cool we have our spirals it's no one in this world is perfect and that's something that i find really hard to understand because I, i'm like you like i expect perfection from myself but when i really sit down and think about it i'm like no but everybody just does weird things <laughs> like <laughs> We're all different, right? Like I think the last thing I want to I want to say in regards to that is, I think sometimes the hardest part of like getting out of a shame spiral, obviously besides the very irrational thoughts, I think it's sometimes just looking in the mirror. And I don't mean literally looking in the mirror, but I mean like really looking at yourself. Because sometimes I find that it's so hard to see me. Like I I ha- and this is something I've talked about in therapy um I just find it hard to sometimes see the imperfection and like I like I I almost don't want to look away um kind of like like Beauty and the Beast like when the Beast was like you know like don't Mm -hmm. don't look like that's how I feel like don't look at me like I'm I'm not worthy Mm -hmm. like I'm ugly like look at me like look at my external not literally my external but like my figurative external being um Mm-hmm. it's repulsive um and i think that that's also mm-hmm. something that i'm working on to not be in that space um because it, it, it is very like punitive and hard and it makes healing a lot more challenging when you don't want to even see yourself and i think that's a, a, another big reason why people don't do the work because it's hard mm-hmm. it's hard to look at yourself yeah it's hard to be uncomfortable, mm-hmm. but you know that's the only way you you actually create right. change when you look in the mirror. I, as an example for me, like I still felt uncomfortable when I became weird in your house, right? Like, but it's like okay, I had to go through that and realize like okay, Crystal's still my friend. Oh, okay, okay, so I could okay, cool, I could show up as myself, right? Like and slowly put yourself in positions with yourself, with other people around you, and practice looking at the parts that you're so terrified of 
if we're going to use the Beauty and the Beast reference, like someone fell in love with him, mm-hmm. you know, even though he had all these, you know, perceived flaws. If we really want to break him down, he just had a lot of shame and guilt for who he used to be and the life that he created for himself. Mm-hmm. I mean, I feel like <laughs> if we were to dive into fairy tales, it's a whole nother episode. <laughs> That'd be fun. Oh, yeah, it would. Um, so thank you, everybody, for listening to our conversation. If you're ever wondering what talking to me and Sasha it feels like, this is what we... <laughs> This is this is basically, basically. a Crystal and Sasha conversation, um, going back and forth yeah. and kind of working through um, our things. But thank you for listening to our last therapy check-in of 2021. Uh, we hope to have some more in the upcoming year. Uh, definitely make sure to follow yes. us on Instagram and TikTok at Never Told Us Pod. And um, if you want to share your thoughts, what you think about this episode, or just connect with us make sure to email us at nevertoldthispod at gmail.com. And make sure to come back next week so we can tell you what they never told us.